From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats. Apple cake is a very family-specific recipe. Apple cake was more of like a dessert. It blends with your turkey, with your mashed potatoes, all the traditional Thanksgiving fixings. What a beautiful addition to a holiday meal. It's a layering. You would get apple cake with the main meal. and It's not overly sweet. It's delicious, and we have to have it every year. This week on the show, a Thanksgiving special featuring a dessert that's served with the meal, a side dish that must be made correctly, and a daughter attempting to make her mother's flan for the first time. That's all just ahead. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young. Thanksgiving is a time for gathering with friends, with family, however you define family. It's a time for gratitude. And it's a time for cooking, baking, and enjoying good food. But I don't want to talk about turkey. In my opinion, Thanksgiving turkey is overrated. Today we're talking about sides and desserts, and something in between. We're talking about recipes passed down from grandmothers, from mothers, and even between sisters. We have a story about a unique family tradition, a cultural spin on a Thanksgiving dessert, and the importance of the revered mac and cheese in black households. In fact, let's start with the mac and cheese. Here's Earth Eats producer Daniela Richardson. The mac and cheese on any occasion in any black household is a source of tension. One wrong seasoning shake and you can easily find yourself uninvited from the cookout. Thanksgiving is no exception to this rule. I became the mac and cheese master of my family in 2017. My mom had surgery just days before Thanksgiving and was in no condition to prepare a feast. But me, I was 14, overconfident, and had some time on my hands. I took it upon myself to make Thanksgiving dinner happen that year and everything felt straightforward. Okay, almost everything. The mac and cheese was the one thing that I couldn't risk. Just because my mom couldn't hold the spoon didn't mean she couldn't hold my hand. That day, I learned the basic construction of a roux, the importance of home-graded cheese versus store-bought, and most of all, the patience required to make such an important dish. And a side note, before we really get into it, this is something already understood by me from birth, but just in case you didn't know, Breadcrumbs are not required. This year, I thought it would be fun to sit down with my sisters, Caitlin and Elizabeth, to walk Caitlin through cooking the mac and cheese and talk with them both about what Thanksgiving and food in general means to our family. I want to see flour, we remember. <gasps> <laughs> it's okay, we measure with the heart here in the Richardson yeah, household. It's gonna taste yummy delicious. You know why? Because it was made by sister's love. I hope sister's love make it taste not green. Yup, it can do that too. I hope so. All-purpose flour. Do you remember the first year when mom made this for Christmas? Um, no. Catherine Ann came over and we played Just Dance, and she was like obsessed with the mac and cheese. For Thanksgiving, it was delicious every time. 
You say you don't remember? It was our first Christmas without Daddy. I don't remember that. I, I, I think I've, you know, blocked out some things, you know. Right, we got the water boiling for the macaroni. Then my sister Caitlin started melting the butter in a pan. Okay, so what does food mean to our family? Oh, food means you know happiness, togetherness. That's how I. That's what I associated with. I know I feel a lot happier when I eat. Proud sense of pride if it's homemade. You know, it's, I think it's what I think anyone feels when they make good homemade food. You know. How do you feel? It's a great gathering point for our family. Something like simple, you know, make a meal, sit down, and enjoy each other's company. We didn't brown the butter. She's messing up my mac and cheese right now. No, it is not messed up. This is a learning experience. We're gonna keep stirring and stirring. When the pasta finished boiling, we set it aside and began our bechamel sauce. Bechamel is a French sauce made of white roux and milk. For those unaware like I was, a roux is a combination of fat, which in our case is butter, and flour. We melted the butter down fully and then slowly added the flour while whisking. One time, it was actually not one time, it was last year, I was uh, making the mac and cheese and as I previously stated, I lack patience and I added way too much flour all at once and it looked like pancake batter my mom had to come in actually um and save the day for that one yep it's crazy dude now that the roux has been made we begin adding in the seasonings and cheese for seasoning we add garlic powder salt onion powder paprika black pepper a pinch of cayenne and the absolutely needed nutmeg we're taught by our mother and it was passed down from hers to add a pinch of nutmeg and I know that may be weird, but it actually is delicious if you try it. It adds um, like a certain spice to it. It just elevates the sauce of the mac and cheese. It's so good, especially once it's all baked in and it settles. It, you, you guys need to try it. It's so good. Again, we will be measuring with the heart, so it is entirely up to preference just how much you add. For the cheese, you want it to be freshly grated because, in my opinion, it just makes it better. My family does sharp and mild cheddar as well as Gouda. And now we bring in Elizabeth, who's a special person in the Richardson household, because Elizabeth doesn't eat cheese and she doesn't like it. And although she's never tasted it, I asked her to comment on our family mac and cheese and just tell me what she thinks about the process. Well, I think that because you care about mac and cheese, that makes it extra important. And it always looks good from afar. I just, I can't get over the, the taste of cheese just kind of makes me like, Blech, you know but y'all always make it look good especially when you're eating it and when you're cooking it, it just looks like you put a lot of time and effort into it y'all look like you really care about it thanksgiving is a great time to get together and express our passion for food like we really like of course there's like other times of year where we put in a lot of effort to make food and stuff but I would say that this time of year, we really like to show out and express with different the different like seasonings and different sides and everything. And uh, the food only gets better, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, I hate the leftovers and stuff, but like we put a lot of time and effort into our food. So it only gets better as the days go on 
and we have a lot of fun. We sit together, we watch movies that we always watch every single year, and it, it's just, it never goes wrong. Now, since you can't eat the mac and cheese, obviously, for your own personal and ununderstandable reasons, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Okay, so mine is dressing. Some people call it stuffing. Uh, it will forever be my favorite. Uh, there have been several years where I help make the dressing because I love it so much. I could literally just eat it like that could be the whole meal for me. It's just, it's just really good. Now that the sauce is all finished, we're gonna pour it over the pasta, mix it up really well, and place it in the oven at 375 degrees for about 25 or so minutes or until golden brown on top. When it's finished, I like to sprinkle parsley on top because parsley makes literally everything better. You really about to record me pouring milk? Yes, I am. It's called ambiance. <laughs> now continue. Milk ASMR. <laughs> Just shut up. Continue talking about family and gatherings and food, please. Okay, well, I would say out of anything, some people express love with gifts or whatever. We're very expressionate with our food. If there's just like, a bad day going on or whatever, we'll like make some food that's just really good. Our mom literally makes food out of nothing and it ends up being like the best food ever. So I would say just it means that togetherness and emotional connection for us in the way that we really show like, hey, I may not be able to say it in, in words, but here's some food. Let's just sit down and eat and maybe we can start laughing together. Unfortunately, since our 2017 Thanksgiving, my mom has suffered a stroke. While speech is difficult for her, she still managed to share her opinion with me of my work. When I cooked Thanksgiving dinner that one year, what did you think? Oh, it was a loving thing. I, I liked it. You were perfect. How'd you, what did you think of my mac and cheese? Good, very good. How did it feel teaching me how to make it? Um. I don't remember, but I remember the the uh, picture, the you know, whole thing. So I know it's, it was perfect. No problem. Did you have fun? Yes, because you did it. What's your favorite part about Thanksgiving? Um, together. Being together with family? Yeah. You're very good to your... Um, work. You're very good. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. Happy Thanksgiving. This is not for It's for Thanksgiving episode. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Turkey! <laughs> Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Can you say the rhyme that our dad always said? Gobble, gobble, gobble. There you go. You, you do it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the interviewer. I'm, I'm, okay, gobble, gobble, gobble. I don't like Thanksgiving Day. Gobble, 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 because I know I shall be eaten soon. No, you you need to land on the eaten. <laughs> what? He says eaten. You I need to. I shall be eaten soon. Okay, now you're just being vindictive. Gobble, gobble, gobble. I don't like Thanksgiving Day. Gobble, 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 because I know I shall be eaten soon what she said okay <laughs>
enjoy being with my family. I love them dearly, despite everything. It's always good to have your loved ones around you, no matter what. And I hope I have them for many years more. Lord willing. Thank you guys. Goodbye. Okay. So, <laughs> just you see why I play? Because <laughs> you're judging. Like... <laughs> Alright, uh, this has been Caitlin Richardson and Daniela Richardson cooking in the kitchen with mac and cheese. Thank you, signing off. That was producer Daniela Richardson in her family's kitchen in Carmel, Indiana. After a short break, we'll hear from another set of sisters in California talking about a unique Thanksgiving recipe in their family and the special bowl it simply must be served in. Stay with us. Apple cake is a very family-specific recipe. Apple cake was more of like a dessert. It blends with your turkey, with your mashed potatoes, all the traditional Thanksgiving fixings. It just complements everything. What a beautiful addition to a holiday meal. It's a layering. You would get apple cake with the main meal. And it's not overly sweet. It's delicious and we have to have it every year. I heard about this recipe from a childhood friend of mine, Trisha Legue. Everyone in her family has fond memories of apple cake, served by Grandma Jones every Thanksgiving in a special blue bowl. Apple cake bowl has been around our family for decades. My grandma, Jones, had made, made apple cake in this bowl every year. The bowl is kind of a seafoam blue. It's melamine, not very big, and it kind of has a little bit of an oval shape on the top. It's round, but kind of like has a unique shape to it. It's sort of cut at an angle and like sort of deep. The material's kind of, oh, it's just unique. Like it's thin, like a thin kind of plastic that you just, you haven't seen it. Like you're not gonna go find that at, at a store. And when that blue bowl came out on the table, it was just like, oh, there's the apple cake. And you knew, you know, Thanksgiving had, had arrived. The bowl and the apple cake are intimately tied to memories of Grandma Jones. I asked Trisha to tell me a little bit about her. Oh my goodness. Well, we, we lovingly referred to her as Graham, everyone in the family. And she was an amazing woman, might make me cry a little bit. She was a very amazing woman, just very gracious to everybody, very neat and orderly. <laughs> that was kind of her thing. Did everything in moderation and she was just, really good to learn from. Like there was just a lot to learn from, from grandma. She was always reading. She liked to have her one little glass of wine at night. When she had dessert, it was, you know, a teeny tiny scoop of ice cream with maybe just a little smidge of chocolate sauce on top. So everything in moderation and that's how she lived her life. And so she was a really good role model in a lot of ways. Hardworking, she was an RN. She was a veteran from the army, graduated from uh, Stanford. She was very much in charge of everything that she did in her life, and she even uh, made sure that she was in control of her last days. She had a heart condition and made a decision that she wasn't going to be um, anybody's burden. She didn't want to take medication, and she told the family, come and see me. 
I'm, I'm done. And so it was really difficult, but we all went and had our time with her and she told us goodbye. And she passed the day that her youngest son left after seeing her. She'd seen everybody and she passed in her sleep that night. So she just, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a really amazing way to to live your life and to and to go out. And she was 97. I don't know if I mentioned that, but she probably could have gone a few more years, but she was done. And she'd made a decision that she was done. So her apple cake recipe will live on. And the bowl it was served in lives on too. It ended up in the hands of one of her daughters, Christina and Trisha's Aunt Christy. Anytime Christina made apple cake for Thanksgiving, she mentioned the special bowl to her wife, Tiffany. Christina has been going on and on about this apple cake tradition, and I joined the family about six years ago, and I didn't realize that the apple cake was served in a particular bowl. So she was mentioning how special the bowl was and how, you know, obviously Grandma Jones had passed on. It was her bowl, and it was in the family. One of the ladies in the family had it. Wasn't sure exactly where it was, but I knew that Trisha, my sister-in-law, would be able to locate this bowl. And I just wanted to see if I could get as close as I could to the bowl. I didn't think that, that, that I would be able to find the same exact bowl. And I just kind of wanted her to have something special to remind her of her grandmother. Here's Trisha on what happened next. So Tiffany called me. Oh, actually, she texted me privately and said, hey, I'd really like to get, do you have a picture of grandma's blue apple cake bowl? Because I'd really like to try to find something similar for Christina for Christmas. And I said, well, I, d- I don't have a picture, but I do know who owns the bowl. So I got in touch with my Aunt Christy, which would be my grandma's daughter, and asked her to send a picture of it. And in the process of that, she noticed that there was actually a label on the bowl. And so she got online and found a replica, the exact replica of that bowl. And there were two. Found them on Etsy. It was in some vintage antique store on the East Coast. And, we, and I immediately ordered it for my sister on behalf of Tiffany. She originally wanted to give it to her for Christmas, but it so happened that the bowl arrived the day before her birthday. So I texted Tiffany and told her, hey, the bowl, the bowl has arrived. And she said, oh my gosh, I'll just give it to her for her birthday. And here is Christina, the recipient of the apple cake bowl replica. We would make the apple cake in different bowls each year, and we always made it. We always had it at the dinner table, but it was never quite the same. So this year for my birthday, I'm kind of not big on my birthday. I'm always like, don't give me anything. Don't do anything. I just want to go out to dinner. That's my favorite thing. So my wife surprised me and found the exact replica of the apple cake bowl that belonged to Grandma Jones. She asked my sister for help. My aunt, who has the actual bowl, did some researching and found the exact replica, which was, you know, it's a vintage piece from the 1970s, I believe, maybe the 1960s. And so, yeah, I opened it. It was full of like packing peanuts. So at first I just was looking at the packing peanuts and I didn't really see the bowl. So I was thinking there was something hidden underneath the peanuts. And then when I pulled it out, I noticed it was the bowl and it was, yeah, it's it's so unique and one of a kind that it, it couldn't have been anything else other than the bowl. And then I thought she had 
somehow gotten the bowl that has been in the family that my aunt owned. So that was confusing for a minute. Like, how did you, how did Aunt Christy give you this very special bowl? I knew she wouldn't have parted with it. <laughs> so then I just turned and said, oh, did you get this from Aunt Christy? You know, and, and very excited. And then they told me the story. Trisha awesome. and, and Tiffany told me the story. And I got to witness that. And my sister cried and it was just, it was really cool. Cool gift idea, cool, cool experience. And now we have another of the same bowl in circulation in the families. So that's the story of the apple cake recipe and the special bowl that Grandma Jones always served it in on Thanksgiving Day. Having never tasted apple cake myself, I felt compelled to try it so I could report back for the show. I followed Trisha's instructions and peeled, cored, and finely chopped some Granny Smith apples. Next, I pulverized saltine crackers in the food processor. Finally, I whipped cream and added a bit of sugar and vanilla. Then I selected a bowl, not the bowl, obviously, and I started the layering. A layer of apples, a layer of crackers, a layer of whipped cream, and repeat. I think I made my whipped cream layer too thick. Either that or my bowl was too shallow. I didn't have enough room for more than two sets of the layers. Trisha said they should be very thin. I'll remember that for next time. I ended with whipped cream, covered it, and moved it to the fridge for two days. When I pulled it out for a sample, it appeared unchanged. I dug my spoon down through the layers and gave it a taste. The apples had sweetened and softened, though they still had a bit of a bite. The crackers were not recognizable, and the whipped cream was still fluffy and delicious. Overall, it was light and not overly sweet. I'd say that apple cake is more than the sum of its parts. I liked it. I could see how it would fit well on the Thanksgiving table. And I understood how it became a tradition in Trisha's family, especially with that seafoam blue melamine bowl that Grandma Jones had. It's not just that it's a family tradition. You actually like the dish. Love. Love the dish. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone in my family would tell you that. It's a, bear, a big deal. I come from a big family. I'm the oldest of six kids. We all have children. I mean, that my parents now have 23 grandchildren. So my grandma started that. So it's a big family, and we all know what apple cake is. We all aspire to make it. We have a few that, that do, and um, everyone looks forward to it. The family heirloom, Grandma Jones's apple cake bowl, is nothing fancy. It's not made of fine china or hand-cut crystal. The blue plastic bowl is made precious by the memories it holds. Family traditions give meaning to our everyday lives and build connections as we gather for special occasions. They help to hold us together in the face of other forces that threaten to tear us apart. After a short break, producer Daniela Richardson talks with a mother and daughter about their Thanksgiving dessert tradition. Stay with us.
Kate Young here. This is Earth Eats. Next up, we have a story about a family with an unexpected Thanksgiving dessert. Here's producer Daniela Richardson. Not every family that celebrates Thanksgiving has a traditional American dessert. Pies and cakes are amazing, but find yourself in the right household, and sometimes you get a special blending of cultures that redefine the expectations for this holiday. I learned this firsthand by going to my best friend's house the day after Thanksgiving. We had just finished some of the turkey leftovers when her mom, Vanessa, asked me if I would like some dessert. Now, I have a self-proclaimed sweet tooth, so I would never say no to dessert. But while I expect it may be like a pumpkin pie or even sweet potato, which is my favorite, she pulled out a beautiful brown and fluffy flan. For those of you who don't know, flan is a classic Latin dessert made of a caramel topping with a sweet custard base. Its roots of creation trace all the way back to Rome, Italy. But for Vanessa, her earliest memories of flan find their way back to sunny and bright Puerto Rican holidays and stained aprons in the kitchen with her mother. My most memorable Thanksgiving, I mean, I don't, I cannot tell you which, which one to be honest with you, because they all, they were so good because all my family was there, you know? So it was just always like good to see everybody. With Vanessa, food has always been a central part of her life. I believe I start cooking like around 10, 11. Um, I mean, it's a big tradition in family. So you kind of like learn from like looking and observing other people doing it. But it was kind of a requirement for you. Like you have to learn how to cook. (laughs) I really enjoy like, you know, cooking for other people and just showing my culture by cooking, at, at least here, you know, mm-hmm. where people are just go and buy stuff or eat fast food. Yeah. I think when they see me cooking and understand like the work that goes into it and how t- much time, you know, it takes from make stuff from scratch, they just kind of appreciate that. So I really enjoy doing that. Yeah. I think that part of Cooking in Puerto Rico is also using the resources that are available to you rather than just going and buy something and then prepare it. I think that's a big difference as well. We have a lot of roots that we eat, you know, like similar to potatoes, but their glycemic index is lower. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't spike your sugar as much as a potato. I think that just like using the things that, you know, Mother Nature provides in ways of like eating fresher. Thanksgiving in Puerto Rico is done differently. From the dishes they prepare to the time spent in the kitchen, Vanessa immediately noticed the small details that shifted when she moved to America. Do you guys celebrate Thanksgiving in Puerto Rico? Oh, yeah, it's a big holiday. It's a big tradition to, you know, spend time with your family and just be thankful for what you have and what you don't have for all the things that you have, your family has endured. Um, So we're always thankful. Yeah. I remember last time that I was in Puerto Rico for Thanksgiving, I got up at 6 a.m. because you have to put like the turkey in the oven. We also make pernil, which is like roast pork. And you do like arroz con gandules, which is like yellow rice with pigeon peas. And I mean, it's a whole day. First, you have to prepare the day before or two days before. For, well, let's just 
talk about like buying the turkey at the supermarket <laughs> and then it like tall, right? Which I think that you guys do that in here too. But the preparation and the seasoning of the turkey is a whole process too. We do everything from scratch. Then you kind of marinate the turkey for like a one day or two days and then you put it on the oven because it has to be cooked like slowly. The first, I think, traditional turkey dinner I had probably was after I got divorced because I didn't want to make like a whole meal just for me and Vanelli and Alex because I, you know, I really just don't have like any family members or friends or whatever. So I bought it, one of those ready meals at Kroger. Oh, yeah, they do the Thanksgiving thing, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it was not memorable. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. I mean, there is a lot of things that I just do not understand. And I think I think that American Thanksgiving is kind of like on the go, so to speak. Like, people don't put too much time into actually making the dishes. Like, for example, first time that I tasted, like, green beans casserole. I mean, there's just green beans with a kind of, like, soup on top. And then you put some crunching stuff. I mean, what that doesn't take any time to get ready. I mean, I can see some parallels between the traditions in Puerto Rico and here uh, on the mainland. You know, they gather and it's like a time to, you know, be thankful for, th- for things. But I think that the, the amount of detail, and I don't know, you know, I, I, before I say that, I'm going to say it, I have never been to a big family kind of like turkey, you know, dinner. Because my, I really don't have a lot of friends, you know? So I just, and the friends that I have probably are, I went, we went to one, but they're from Cuba. So they didn't have a lot of family members either there. So it was a small, you know, kind of gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they put some emphasis on getting together and, you know, having the dishes ready. But definitely, I don't think that it's the same, the same intensity as in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Cooking has always been a part of Vanessa's life. Her favorite recipes are passed down from generation to generation. I pick up a lot from my mom and from my grandmother on my mom's side. I did improve a little bit of stuff, like, you know, adding my little flavor or my little twist, you know, to things. For, but the most part, you kind of, like, follow or use the same ingredients as your, that your family have used in the past. We don't measure anything. We just put it in the pot and just cook. <laughs> also, I think... My mom was a big advocate of you, like, spending time on things that are going to make you better. So I think that that was, you know, she didn't have a lot of money, a lot of education. So that was also a way of helping us to be successful. Like, okay, you don't have to spend time on doing this, you know, I can help you with this. But, I mean, that's also part of the society that we used to live, right? A patriarchal society where, you know, moms, that's what they do. You know, they cook and they you know, clean and they take care of the kids and the dad, you know, just works and, you know, he's a big man in the house. Yeah. So she followed that model, you know, until my dad died. Flan has always been on the table at her family functions and it is a crowd favorite. Yes, Flan is a big part of the food in Puerto Rico. To the point, I mean, we have created like different versions, different flavors. Like the original one is just vanilla. It's like creamy, you know, with like vanilla. Then the second most popular one, you add like cream cheese to it. So it's kind of like a cheesecake kind of flan. And then we have like coquito, which is like with coconut. Some people put rum on it. 
just for the flavor, pistachio, I mean, you name it. But my favorite one is the one, the vanilla and cheese. It's a dessert with a simple ingredient list, but it does take a lot of patience. It is a very intricate process. I think the, one of the most difficult part is just to, not to overcook the plan. Uh, so for that, you have to do like a, what we call it a, a water bath or a Maria bath. I don't know why Maria, but <laughs> never ask. Uh, so, you know, basically you you have a, a big container of water on the bottom and then you put the container or the mold with the flan on top of that water. So basically the flan is getting cooked with the vapor of the, you know, the water that is getting evaporated. So it is not a, 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 a exact science, pretty much. You kind of like have to eyeball it and look at the, you know, the bubbles on the top, make sure that it's not too many bubbles because that means that it's just getting too dry. One of my probably bad memories about making plan is one time I decided to use a Pyrex to put the hot water. And when I took it out and put it on the cold surface of the counter, it shatters. So that all the water, you know, which was hot, of course, like got on my feet. I mean, I didn't get burned, seriously injured or anything, but I remember that was just a shock, you know, oh like, God, oh my yeah. God. Because what do you do with that moment? <laughs> Yeah, never, nevertheless, uh, we'll have to, I don't think I have to tell you that I have to throw, I threw the plan away because you can, you know, I couldn't tell it was glass inside. So the whole process was just a waste of time, I guess. Vanessa recently had knee surgery, so cooking is a bit difficult. However, she continues to pass the generational torch and will have her daughter, Vanelli, walk us through making the flan. In terms of flan, have you taught Vanelli how to make it? <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> I think that this year she's gonna make more, pay more attention. <laughs> Definitely, I mean they they know the basics. You know, it's pretty easy to make. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like condensed milk, evaporated milk. You know, vanilla, and then you can put like the cheese if you want to, or any other ingredient that you would like to, and five eggs. I think the probably one of the most difficult parts is to make the caramel from scratch mm-hmm. because you need to know when when to take it out of the heat so it doesn't get burned. Did Vanelli tell you that she's going to be recreating your flan? No. Yeah, she's going to be cooking it. <laughs> when? Oh, uh, for what? In Bloomington, she's going to we're going to do it at my radio's test kitchen. She's going to be making it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, The test kitchen I was referring to is actually the staff lounge at the radio station. It has a full stovetop and oven, and Vanelli and I met Kate there on a Saturday morning to cook the flan. Now, me personally, I had an injury that I was also contending with, so Kate took over the recording and interviewing. You might catch me chiming in off mic from time to time. Vanelli is a biology major and art minor at Purdue University. She has found ways to connect the science in her academics with the science in her food. Baking is a science, you know. That's the thing about a flan, it's it's half cooking, half baking. My name is Vanelli Crespo Cruz. I'm a Purdue student and a Puerto Rican American. And what are we gonna be making today? Today we are making my mom's cheese flan. It's one of the many flavors that are available, but this is a favorite in my family. 
So it's not always made with cheese, but in this case we are. Yeah, so some people do coconut or just like plain. You can also add fruit or chocolate. Sounds great. So have, have you ever made this before? I've seen it done. I have seen it done many times, but completely on my own, I have not attempted it. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun today. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And have you have you been around when your mom was making it? Yes. Yeah, so this happens in my house pretty much every holiday since I was a kid. Flan is like our, our special dessert, and me and my brother love it. So I've definitely seen it made. She's probably attempted to show me how it's done, but I haven't tried it all on my own. So. We'll see what happens. All right, so this is next generation. Yes. Learning the flan. Learning, yes. All right. Well, Daniela was able to secure a recipe for us. Love it. From your mom. Perfect. <laughs> Can you walk us through how you would make a flan? And then we're gonna have Vanelli try and follow this. Okay. Yeah. You need to get a, a pot. Hopefully you can do like stainless steel or something that doesn't have like a non-stick coating on it. And then you're gonna put one cup of sugar, one like white sugar, two teaspoons of water, and a little bit of lemon, just like a squirt of lemon, just so it doesn't get, the sugar doesn't get crystallized. Then you stir it. I suggest to use like a wooden spoon and then you stir it and then you put it in high and then you let the sugar melt when uh, you're gonna see that it's gonna start bubbling and then it's gonna be liquid. So there you stir again, you know, you, you need to keep your eyes on it the whole time because the burning point just reach, after it start getting like golden, the burning point is like, it, it can happen really fast. Do you think that looks right or does it need more water? Um, it's looking a little bit dry. However, I know that the sugar tends to melt a little bit in some cases <laughs> but <laughs> we're we're gonna probably add more water now we just let this get hot and then we'll add the lemon as well so just to describe this it looks it still looks pretty grainy mm -hmm. but it'll melt and uh right now it's white looser yes right now it's white so also as it gets warmer, you can see it kind of turn like more off-white and get warmer and warmer. And then it's gonna get that golden brown color that you associate with the top of it. When you like flip it over and it's the white custard and then like all nice and brown on top. So that's what we're looking for in the end product. But we'll do the lemon. How much lemon is it? Is it? It's just like a little squeeze of okay. lemon. So I'll just slice this. Growing up, flan was always my favorite, so I really just associated it with winning. Like, as a child, I would want it every day of the week, if possible. So anytime I got to eat flan, it felt like a treat just for me. Although everyone in my family likes to eat it. But, I mean, I guess Christmas time, really, like Thanksgiving. Not a lot of my family lives up here, but my mom loves the holidays and I'm sure she, I mean, like missed her family at home too. So she would, she goes all out Thanksgiving, Christmas, even if it's just the three of us, there's a spread available. So this was just something that she would do in the days leading up to it because it does have to cook for a while and then chill overnight. So it definitely is a labor of love. Now that she lives off campus in an apartment, food has taken a more central part of her life, just like it does for her mother. What kind of dishes have you made at home? 
One thing that we make is, it's like fried rice, sort of. It's like chicken and rice, but it has like vegetables and other stuff in there. And that was always one of my favorites as a kid, is like chicken and rice with like yellow corn. So getting to make that was probably my favorite one, I think. Does that have a name other than chicken and rice? I guess in Spanish it's arroz con pollo, and I don't know what they call the yellow one specifically, but that's just what my mom calls it, is chicken and rice. Let me turn this off. So the caramel is pretty much done here. You can see it's like really brown. I'm gonna let it sizzle a little bit more before I- Yeah, that pan will hold the heat, so it's probably still cooking a little bit. But it will be done very soon. Okay, it's turning now. Uh, Yeah, now you can see it's starting to get really brown. And in a couple of minutes, it'll be ready. Okay, well, these are ready for you to Love pour that. into okay. if you need to. So now this part of the process is really fast. So once you get over that tipping point, you can see it getting darker much quicker than it was before. And we just wanted to get a little bit more brown before we pour it in, because that's really... That, and now I'm really smelling it too. Yes. Like, I didn't smell it at all until now. Yeah, so it's deceiving and it's hard, like... I think it's hard the first time you do it, the second time you do it, the third time you do it. Um, <laughs> and every time after that. <laughs> but here's the thing is, is if I didn't know that that middle part would take forever and look like it, nothing is happening, then I would have burnt it by now. You know what I mean? So that is where the previous knowledge, so this is where the previous knowledge comes in handy. I'm just lucky, honestly, that I've seen it done so many times. It's interesting how it's like, it's like candy. Yeah, know, it really is chemistry. So the it's reason- It's already yeah. like solidified almost. So because the water, it's so little water and so much sugar, it's really only suspended in the liquid like temporarily. It's only, it's conditional that when it stays that hot, it'll be liquid. But as soon as it cools down at all, it's gonna so, like solidify because it started as mostly solid. You just amalgamated it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I always think that part's fun. That's actually my favorite part. Now the rest of it is pretty rote. I'm gonna take a picture to show my mom. Then you you take it out of the stove and then you put it on the on the glass container or whatever container where you're gonna do the flan. So that's gonna be like the base of the flan. While you do that, then you let it cool down a little bit. So then you can start making the mix for the flan, which you make on the blender. You put one kind of evaporated milk, one kind of condensed milk, a teaspoon of vanilla, you know, to taste, and then five eggs. And if you want, you can put half block of cream cheese. And then you blend it all in the blender until you know it's smooth. This is something we always have in our pantry, evaporated milk. We don't use it very often, but I don't know. I, I think it's, I would always, oh my gosh, this is my favorite part. My mom would get so mad at me as a kid because I would want to lick the top of the can. <laughs> and it's, it's sharp, obviously, so it's dangerous for a child. But now that I'm an adult, she can't tell me not to. <laughs> This is probably where I would get the spoon involved. But this would always be my job, and I would always kind of like slack off so that I would have like remnants in the can, and I would just eat them with a spoon. Because that's the type of child that I was. Uh, and hopefully, my mom won't listen to this episode because she doesn't need to know that. She already knows. Oh, man. <laughs> so that's all that. I'm gonna just put this aside for my treat later. So I'm realizing now that the sweetened condensed milk is the sweetener for this this part. Yes, and it is very, very sweet. So this is literally 
sweetened and condensed milk. So it's a lot of, it's milk. Well, think about how thin milk is. If, I mean, if you guys could see it, it's this sweetened condensed milk is like, I don't know what's like similar, like pudding almost. It's, it's so thick. Okay. But <laughs> the name is like, it's so simple that it's almost deceiving, I would yeah. say, it's to some. Just, it's descriptive. Descriptive is correct. So now we'll add the eggs. Just crack them right in there. Sorry, love them. And then you pour it over, you know, over the caramel on the, you know, container where you have the caramel. Then you set the oven to 350 degrees and you get another container bigger than where you have the flan, you put it on the oven and then you fill it with water. Be careful not to fill it too much because then when you put the container with the flan in the water, it might overflow. And then just cook it at 250 degrees, probably for a half hour. You can stick a fork in the middle, make sure it doesn't like, it's not too liquid in the middle, but it cannot be, you cannot see a lot of bubbles on the top because that means that it's getting dry. But the, the flan, you need to leave it cool down in the fridge for at least four hours or five. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I leave it overnight because then that's when it solidifies. Yeah, so now they're all done. They're out of the oven. We got them out of the water bath as well. So the rest of the process now is really, it's, it's their journey, not ours, right? So now they're out of the oven and they're just gonna cool down gradually at first and then we'll put them in the fridge. But the turning out is the most iconic part of the flan, right? You turn it over, the caramel's on top, it kind of like comes down. So we didn't grease the tin or anything, but the reason that it's so easy for these is because one, the high fat content, and then also they're kind of puffed up and expanded now. The air expands as it gets hotter and it does have like a lot of bubbles in there. But as it cools, they'll sort of shrink and I get like, and also shrink away from the walls of the container. So that'll make it a little bit easier for us to get them out they have to to do this part on their own there's nothing we can help them you know we've done our best up to this point and now we must let them go um but yeah so we can put them back in the tins and then stick them in the fridge okay so we're just gonna let them cool to room temperature then we're gonna put them in the fridge for like three or four hours yeah i mean usually when i do this at home we stick them in the fridge to chill overnight so okay. since we're doing it pretty early in the day probably by this evening they'll be ready to eat i think Okay. Yeah. Great. Vanelli knows that whether on or off the island, or in or out of her mother's house, she can find family within the recipes and take a piece of home with her wherever she goes. Really, really enjoyed, honestly, living off campus and having access to a kitchen because I do get to do stuff like this more than I have in the past. And I've honestly had a lot of fun making Puerto Rican food and making the food that my mom makes for me at home. It's just really comforting to be able to eat something that you've been eating since you were a little kid. And also rewarding to know that I made it myself. And I get to call my mom and ask her questions, which is always fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course, thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Since the flan needed a chill for several hours, we didn't have a chance to taste it all together. We divvied up the ramekins between the three of us. Daniela's was sadly eaten by an unsuspecting roommate, so I brought one of mine into the studio for Daniela and I to sample together. Well, let's give it a try. That's really good. 
I like it. And it's the thickness of it is good as well, too. It's so it's so much more creamy and smooth than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more like I thought it was going to of a jello. Yeah, or like how certain kind of puddings have a certain gel to them. This is not gel. This is like cheesecake. Exactly. Yeah. And I really like that consistency of it. But I like how it's really caramely mm-hmm. on the top and like now because it's sitting in that syrup. But then the middle doesn't really have that. And I thought it was going to be super, super sweet. Mm-hmm. But the middle is not that sweet. It's not. No. It's more savory and it balances it out well. And you get it more just on like the crust of it. I think Vanilli did really well for her first time making this, like, alone. Yeah. What did Vanilli think about it? She thought it was really good. So she enjoyed it a lot. I don't know if she thought it was as good as her mom's, but she definitely thought she did a good job. Not as good as her mom's. I think that's to be expected. In my experience, things often taste better when they're made for me by someone who loves me. That story comes to us from producer Daniela Richardson. That's it for our Thanksgiving special. I hope your holiday season includes time in the kitchen and at the table, enjoying food and conversation with those you love. Take care. The Earth Eats team includes Violet Barron, Aabon Binder, Alexis Carvajal, Alex Chambers, Mark Chilla, Toby Foster, Daniela Richardson, Samantha Schemenauer, Peyton Whaley, and Harvest Public Media. Special thanks this week to Caitlin Richardson, Elizabeth Richardson, Christina Richardson, Tricia Legue, Tiffany White Legue, Christina Legue, Vanessa Cruz Martinez, and Vanelli Crespo Cruz. Earth Eats is produced and edited by me, Kate Young. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Additional music on the show comes to us from Universal Production Music. Our executive producer is Eric Bolstridge. Mm-hmm.